Did you hear that? Masturbation can extend your years of sexual activity by keeping all your parts healthier and more toned. We'll begin the episode with that and we'll end the episode done. (laughs) (laughs) That's all we... Mic drop. (laughs) There's more. There's more. It's even... It gets better. Dear Sam, yes. Dear Susie, where? Dear Sam, when? This is the What Bird Are You podcast. This is our podcast celebrating sex. Safe sex. Consensual sex. Sex without shame or guilt. The kind of sex you discover when you become your first best lover. We'll be talking about our own sexual experiences and bringing other people's voices into the dialogue. And we will be reviewing sex toys. (laughs) (laughs) We're people who simply enjoy sex. So if you are not an adult or unwilling to be part of a frank conversation about sex, this is not for you. If you're under 18, do you really want to hear people your parents' age talking about sex? Welcome Welcome to the the show. show. All right, Susie, another podcast. Today we're talking, shh, let's be quiet about this because it's masturbation. (laughs) And as everybody knows, you're not supposed to talk about masturbation. (laughs) Why not? Why not, Sam? Why aren't we supposed to talk about it? Because you're... According to uh, some folks, I guess you, you get closer to Satan the more you masturbate. Oh, oh! It leads it leads you down the path to badness. They call it the devil's doorbell for a reason, you know, the clitoris. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I didn't know they called it that. <laughs> Ding dong! <laughs> Masturbation is our topic today, and of course, we try to remind our viewers not our viewers, our our listening audience, that we're not coaches, we're not therapists, we're people who enjoy sex. We're people who enjoy sharing sex, positive, healthy sex with with our audience. And if you are a repeated audience member, please review this podcast, rate it on whatever your podcast platform is, and uh, leave us some comments in our social media, at WhatBird podcast and email us at whatbirdpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your your comments and your suggestions for future episodes. Absolutely. And tell your friends about us too. We want them to listen as well. Uh, yes, but we'll be quiet today because masturbation. Susie, you've been doing a lot of research on masturbation, the history of masturbation, uh, the, the, the clinical psychology of masturbation, including the first vibrators, which were used by German psychologists, psychiatric uh, medicine in the early 1900s. But before we get into that history, that science, that whatever it might be, let's talk about our personal uh, stories with masturbation. Do you masturbate and why? Hmm. I knew you were going to start with that. I knew you were going to ask that. So um, I, my personal history is I really didn't masturbate until, I don't know, the last five years probably. It's not been a big part of my life. It's not been a big part of my sexual life um, or something that I've even thought of very often. But I do it now when I don't have a regular partner. And I do it mostly to keep, I find that it keeps my sexual energy going. So when I don't have a normal partner, it's easy for me to fall into these sexual dips in my sexual energy, if that makes sense, where I'm just like, I don't think about sex. I'm not sexy at all. I'm not thoughtful of sex. So when I masturbate, it does help to kind of keep my sexual energy up. And then sometimes too, I just, I feel 
tense up or I feel frustrated. And so that does help. And I've really been wanting masturbation to be more satisfying than it is because I get so much satisfaction out of sex with a partner. And I get frustrated a lot through masturbation. Sometimes I feel like masturbating makes me even more frustrated than just not. Um, and I've been trying to really incorporate toys lately with masturbation, more types of toys. And that has that has been a good thing for me. I have found that women will definitely go through cycles of of masturbation. They'll find a new toy that they really like. They'll charge it up. They'll use it. They may or may not like it. Then it ends in a shoebox under their bed. And then when they want to use it again, they need to find the charger for it, the cables and all of that. So I, I do think that you're on that uh, on a similar cycle as a lot of people. But you've mentioned a couple of things to me about masturbation in the past that Often when it's solo masturbation, you feel lonely and not satisfied after it, just like you said just now. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, it seems to be this one particular toy that I have that makes me feel lonely, and it's a very lifelike male, you know, obviously male dildo. And for some reason, that particular toy, it does make me feel frustrated. It never does what I want it to do. <laughs> and it, it, it vibrates and it thrusts and it does it's all these It's a wonderful these, like, shape tricks. and size. It, it is. It's a great shape. It's a great size. It's, it feels very real as well. So for some reason, and it may be because it's so lifelike, I always feel like, gosh, I just wish this was a real man instead of this, you know, fake fake thing that I have. Um, so it, that's the one that for, for whatever reason often makes me feel frustrated and um, just wishful of having a male partner here. My other toys, not so much. So some nights I'm kind of glad I just have the night to myself and I just want to, you know, very quickly uh, have that release. And, and, and so I don't feel as lonely on, on those nights. Yeah, it's just that one toy. <laughs> <laughs> very psychological, I'm it sure. It is psychological. It's, and, and masturbation often is seen as solo play. I really enjoy partner play masturbation. I enjoy watching a person masturbate. I enjoy masturbating with with my partner. Can we talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. And and you're not alone. So doing all the research that I did, that was brought up a few different times. And that's obviously a more uh, recent, I think people are doing that more nowadays than they ever have before. It's super kinky. But it really I love can, it. Yeah, it really can lead to better to better sex, a better sexual experience with your partner. And so what it can do is it can even be instructional for your partner. Like for a woman, if you're like, oh, this is what really gets mm -hmm. me off. This is how, what feels good to me. That can teach your partner a lot. Um, or it can just be titillating. It can just be sexy and in a way to... Uh, you know, turn your partner on more. And I learn a lot about a female partner with that. When, when she masturbates, I see where and how she touches uh, her clitoris. Does she touch her clitoris? Does she move the head, the hood? Does she put finger pressure? Does she focus on internal pressure? All of that. If you, if you see how a woman masturbates, uh, the guy or whoever her partner is uh, has, has a better idea of what they could do to please and and move forward with that well and the same for men you know if i were to watch a man masturbate i can see what part of his penis he focuses on or if he touches other parts of himself while he's masturbating and it can help me figure out how to better please him as well i like that 
Mm, I do too. And I think in this world that we're living in of instant gratification and online everything, more and more porn is going to live cams and sites that, that focus on custom content and things like that. And a lot of the people who are creating that custom content are masturbating, masturbating for an audience. Yeah. What do you think about that? Is that intriguing? Well, I, I think it, I think it's really interesting because I, I do like the visuals of people masturbating, like I said. But if you go to a, a live streaming or a camming site like Chatterbait, it's kind of... Forgive me for, for being dismissive, but it's kind of gross. Yeah. I, I don't see people enjoying themselves whenever I go to something like that. And I don't go to a, a, a streaming site like that very often. But it is curious because you have a variety of categories. Uh, you could see people having sex. It's, it's, I'm a voyeur, so it's kind of cool to, to see that element. But you never really see any of these cam stars really, truly, genuinely masturbating for what I say the fun of it uh, they're they're vaping or smoking cigarettes they're looking half asleep they're responding to <laughs> the people who are watching and oh yeah they have like a, a, a wee vibe Wi-Fi toy in that's being controlled by their audience it's just not I mean it's it's a letdown when I see cam people masturbating interesting I've never watched any of that I don't know that I will after that lovely description. I, I will <laughs> say when I masturbate with a partner or if someone, you know, in front of another person, I do feel a little uncomfortable. It does feel mm -hmm. oh. a little uncomfortable to me for whatever reason. Even though what you just said about it's, it's educational, it's titillating, you feel uncomfortable about it. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate? Well, I don't know why. I No, I really can't. Fair I just enough. know that I just... I f feel almost a little embarrassed and I'm not normally embarrassed in the bedroom, um, but for whatever reason, mm. I feel very vulnerable in that moment and uh, a little uneasy. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And what could, what could make that experience better for you? And we're talking uh, partner play masturbation right now, right. masturbating in front of your partner. I don't know, maybe doing it more often. I've only done it a handful of times. So hmm. it may be something that if I did it more often, I would feel more comfortable. It, it just may be something that I, I'm, I'm always a little self-conscious about. That's how I feel, like self-conscious. Um, so, yeah. Without getting too much into the, the psychology of that, let's go uh, to cultural norms. I think historically, even in our society, masturbation is taboo. It's not something that you look uh, to with any type of favoritism, and often it's it is stigmatized. It's it's criticized. It's it's put in the the back corner as don't do that. It's going to be harmful. Or you'll go blind. That was a big <laughs> that was a big thing that was said for a long time. So it's somewhere along the line. Some, quote, doctor a long time ago said masturbation could lead to blindness. And then there was a whole generation of young men whose mothers told them, don't don't wink off or else you may go blind. So <laughs> we've come a long way. We've come a long way. And it didn't used to have that stigma. So for 
a long time it was very accepted and open and there was a while where it was um, acceptable to masturbate in public even. So um, can I go through some history and we'll talk a little bit about it? Yeah, let's talk history. Let's talk history. Okay, so I thought this was interesting. Uh, The first dildo ever discovered was from 28,000 years ago. So that's a long time ago. So it was discovered in the German region of Swabia. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. So that's that's pretty old dildo. You know, for a long time, this has been part of culture in one way or another. So the e- the a- in ancient Egypt, this is really like the crux of their creation myth, that the god Atum created the world by masturbating it into existence. Um, and Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And so this... This has been was recreated every year by pharaohs to ensure that a good crop happened. So they would masturbate into the fields <laughs> or they would masturbate also into the Nile um, to to bring fertility to all the lands. Um, and I think that we did see that follow through into a lot of pagan rituals of masturbating into the fields to help the, cr- the crops come in. Uh, and then Qu- Queen, Le- I love this one. Cleopatra is said to have enjoyed a hollow gourd filled with bees that pleasured her with angry buzzing within the gourd. So she had this hollow gourd that was filled with bees, and that acted like a vibrator. Who knows? Oh my God! What a what I have that vision in my head. Who knows if it's <sighs> true? But I absolutely love love that. <laughs> we watched an episode of Drunk History together that that featured Cleopatra, and that made me roll on the ground when they were documenting uh, Cleopatra's uh, younger sister, who took the the who, who made efforts to take the crown. But had they include the the gourd with bees in there, it would have won an Emmy, I'm sure. Absolutely. Oh, what a, what an amazing thought! Like creating a vibrator, basically, with live bees in a gourd. And that's the earliest mention of a vibrator that I saw. So it's not until much later, and, and I'll get to the, the much later vibrator. So we all – oh, did you have something before? I was just going to say, make sure that uh, – let's link that uh, that source or, or photo even into the, into the notes of this podcast because I want to know more about it. The audience wants to know more about it. How can we prove that Cleopatra <laughs> <laughs> had a bee-powered vibrator? I'm just going to choose to accept it as fact because I love the idea of it so much. Let's create, and let's keep this as a secret. Let's create our <laughs> own vibrator. Let's call it Cleopatra's Gourd. Oh my God, that's awesome. <laughs> yes. Okay, don't tell anyone. I don't want anyone. Keep it between you and yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want anyone to take our idea. That's a really good one. Okay, so we all know that the Greeks and the Romans were very supportive. We see it see it on their vases and the pottery they created. So they were very supportive just uh, as a way to ease sexual frustration. Um, so men are typically... M- depicted you know masturbating on vases and frescoes and and we see it in their comedy a lot of their comedy plays mention it and not so much with the greek women um who were supposed to be more you know docile and ladylike but we do know through a lot of writings that women were fond uh, greek women were fond of taking spa days where they in indulged with something called a osbos uh, 
olospos. I'm going to I'll, I'll re, uh, reference this. But it's a word that was um, left untranslated by many historians for a long time, which is <laughs> interesting, but it does more or less mean a, a penis-shaped dildo. So what I, what I was finding uh, researching all this is that they talk a lot about men throughout history, how they masturbate, how much they masturbate, how manly it is. Women, not so much because it was often thought that women were not capable of orgasming and really did not get much satisfaction from sex. So you don't see much about it for the women. Um, and then in ancient eight. Asia, we have the Kama Sutra, right? So hopefully a lot of people are familiar. And the Kama Sutra really was compiled it, 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 uh, uh, images and texts that encouraged rough sex, slapping, biting, and other erotic pursuits, which include masturbation. And this came into existence around 200 CE. So pretty old text as well. But interestingly, this is around the time that we see the idea of men spilling their seed as them losing their their energy, basically. So part of the Tantra later on is that men should refrain from ejaculation in order to provide a better experience for women during lovemaking, which was mm. interesting, really interesting. So this stigma really surrounding ejaculation may explain why we, we really start to see masturbation eventually becoming more of a forbidden act as we move forward throughout history. And I think as we move uh, forward through history, we see the rise of monotheism and monotheism really as a, as a patriarchal concern for population control. And if people are masturbating and pleasing themselves, then how are they... Uh, populating the world uh, and that becomes that becomes a, a chief criticism at least what I'm reading and understanding in the the faith-based dogma that I'm more familiar with associated with Christianity uh, don't masturbate make sure you have your wife to, to, to satisfy your your sexual needs make sure she gets pregnant and uh, be a good father I think is really the the message that we have about sexuality and audience correct me if I'm wrong well, we see that way, going way be before even Christianity. The thought of spilling seed is of killing potential babies that that could help to, you know, keep the tribe going or whatever it is. So, and there were different groups throughout history where it was only the the lower class who were thought to have ever masturbated because the higher class had, of course, wives, but they had slaves as well. So if they were horny or wanted just that release, they always had mm. someone to have sex with and never had the need to masturbate. So there was also a class shift there with masturbation. I, I don't know if that's really true, but that's what was documented a lot. An interesting concept, at least, is that uh, you don't have to masturbate if you have regular, consistent partners. And I know that the the topic of one night stands and hookups is something that you want to talk about in a in a future podcast. Maybe that's a part of it too. If we're having one night stands on a regular basis, do we need to masturbate very regularly? Hmm. Oh, question. Absolutely, because I've had it one or two uh, one night stands that were horrible, and I had to come home and <laughs> masturbate just to get any satisfaction out of the evening so absolutely <laughs> and, and you've recently had an experience with a person who was 
was he abstaining from masturbation or just abstaining from ejaculation because he's going to a spiritual event? I think from ejaculation in general. Okay. So I think there are a lot of people even today that do feel like for men to not have that release builds up a certain energy and it does. It all, it it definitely does. You know, if you're going to abstain from ejaculation, I think you do build up over time a certain level of I don't know if you'd call it frustration or just sexual energy really, which I think contributes to your overall vibration. And certainly there's there's clinical evidence that masturbating at a fairly regular at at, at fairly regularly has cardiovascular health, has mental health uh, that for men uh, apparently there's uh, prostate health associated with masturbating at a fairly regular level. But the the psychological level is is really interesting and psychoanalysis begins essentially with Sigmund Freud and Sigmund Freud loved, loved, loved hysteria. Can you talk about your research on hysteria and masturbation? Yes, you are absolutely jumping really far ahead, but I am happy to go there. (laughs) We'll just jump right in to that. Um, So, yeah, well, let, let me let me back up a little bit, right? So where I'm going is everything was good with masturbation. It was definitely supported. In Asia, we saw the Ben Wall balls created, and that was to help women um, to come without having any male uh, influence whatsoever. So these were these small bowl, balls that they inserted that supposedly could help women um, have orgasms just walking down the road. I will be investing in some Benoit balls soon, and I'll let you all know. Are they different than yoni eggs? Yeah, they are different because it's these two balls that go in. They're smaller. I don't know what Mm. keeps them from popping right out, but I'm going to see. I started to order some last night. So instead of one and egg. we'll we'll have that in a in a future toy review. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you know what what ended up happening? So everything was good with masturbation. People were doing it. It was socially accepted. And then people really started looking at the new the I'm sorry the Old Testament. Um, so in Judaism as well as early Christianity, Genesis 38 is the one passage that kind of shifted everything. So there's a story in the Bible where God commands uh, the son of a powerful man to go have sex and marry his dead wife's widow. And he wants, he, he basically tells this young man, go marry your dead wife's widow and have a child with her. And then the, the son marries the widow. But when he has sex with her, instead of coming in her, basically he pulls out and he spills his seed. And in the story, God kills him for this. So this was interpreted by some to say that he masturbated instead of having sex with the widow. But what they're saying now is really they think he basically just pulled out. Either way, he did not spill his seed inside of her. He spilled his seed outside of her and then God struck him down and killed him. And that's where everything got. That's the key piece of history that got masturbation turned into this horrible thing um, that shifted the tide for masturbation. Curious. What passage is that again? It's Genesis 38. Genesis 38. I'm super curious now how Genesis 38 is taught in Sunday school. What I've been reading, and, and there's a lot, almost everything that I read 
comes back to this. They do mention this one particular thing. And I think it sounds like it was originally taught that he was masturbating. Now it looks like what it's really taught is more about the Jewish inheritance law, which mandated that he provide his dead brother with a son and that when he didn't provide his dead brother with the son. So really it was that more so than anything having to do with masturbation. So I definitely think today it's seen very differently than it used to. But historically, it made a big difference in how people that were masturbating were looked at. All right, so what, what kind of really messed everything up is in 1724, there was a publication that was anonymously published in Puritan Boston, and it really was the hell and dam damnation of masturbation. And once that was released, like during that time period, like men were wearing chastity belts or even spiked rings on their penises with the spikes facing inward to avoid temptation so that they don't um, want to masturbate. So things got really crazy. And then women, so here's where we get to hysteria. So women who suffered from, suffered from hysteria or sexual frustration, this was in the 1800s. This was not, this was well after the Puritans had their, their heyday with how horrible masturbation was. We had like a hundred years of people thinking it was the worst thing ever and harming themselves instead of releasing their sexual frustration. So now we're looking at women and when they are sexually, I'm sure there was a whole bunch of reasons why they were considered hysterical, but what I love is one of the ways to cure this hysteria is to go to physicians who digitally stimulated them with placebo creams to bring about <clears throat> a release and they said it, it wasn't called an orgasm because doctors and everyone knew that women were not capable of orgasms but interestingly the word historia comes from the greek root for uterus or history hysteria comes from the greek root for uterus which is fascinating to me <clears throat> craziness comes from the uterus someone <laughs> might in misinterpret that we women, you know, we've had it rough throughout history. So these doctors were using their hands to make women orgasm in a very um, non-personal way. And then vibrators came about at the turn of the century. So the first commercial vibrator came out even before electricity in 1734. And I sent you a photo of this. Mm -hmm. It looks like an egg beater. And it, I saw egg beater when mm -hmm. you shared me this and we'll share this we'll on our social it. media. So it's got a hand crank um, that that's cranked that creates a, a, a vibrating or it, you know, maybe even a pulse, you know, a pushing um, thing. So by the turn, thrusting, exactly. By the turn of the 20th century, newspaper ads were featuring, featuring various vibrators, though. And they were, they were put out there as a way to massage away aches and pains. Um, so not necessarily for sexual gratification, though that's what they were really made for. They were advertised to as massage tools. And some, some were electric. The, um, there was one in 1869 that was steam-powered which I could not... Steam-powered? Yes, I could not find a photo oh. of, but I would really love to see. That's hot. It is. Arc, arc. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right, so here we get to Freud. 
Oh my! So here, listen. Before we get to Freud, hold on for a okay. second. And and even the the tool that you like the least, the the magic wand, the original Hitachi magic wand, uh, was marketed as a personal massager. Absolutely. So that idea, and I think it's really fascinating. Like the this idea that the the history of of women's pleasurable sexuality has kind of been covered up has has basically been ignored i mean when you're going back to the greeks you have wonderful poems on, on, on from the isle of lesbos lesbos yeah with that's right beautiful love poems by sapphos which describes you know sexual gratification so and now we have we 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 move through monotheism and we have torture devices to prevent us from even being tempted from masturbating and then finally in the 1900s we're we're marketing personal massagers for our pleasure it's fantastic and i'm just reminded about my story when i was married like i spent most of my marriage not knowing if my wife even masturbated i think women for way too long have been their sexuality has been uh covered up by uh by men's interest or disinterest absolutely absolutely even now i think it's skewed even now some women are seen as sluts or whores or whatever you know these are words that we still hear um to describe certain women so what was interesting during this time is we have these vibrators that are being advertised, that are being created. So there's that whole facet of of society that is open to that. But then we have the psycholo- we have psychology, which is just coming into being, and people are studying this and really diving in. That actually, uh, like Freud traced anxiety, neurosis, obsession, narcissism, hysterical vomiting, repressed memories of infantile sexuality, and arguably guilt itself into a primal source of sexual satisfaction. So he said that this primal source of sexual satisfaction has led to all of these psychological conditions and can be traced back in one way or another. And other psychologists, go ahead. Do you want to comment on that? I don't know. Um, I'm just thinking that, you know, Freud, uh, a lot of his theories and, and his practices have now been dismissed by by a, a variety of professional psychologists for being a little naive but i think it's really fascinating that he really pushed forward the the idea that you could trace repression through sexual experiences absolutely and and i'm going to unfortunately probably completely say this guy's name incorrectly but in the 19th century John Etienne Escarole and uh, a psychiatrist and physician in chief at this really famous hospital in Paris declared um, this sexual oversexuality and masturbation as a mental disorder that masturbation is quote recognized in all countries as a cause of insanity and it was not until the late until ni- 1968 that it finally fell out of the american classification of mental disorders which is really interesting. So in 1972, the American Medical Association pronounced masturbation to be normal. Finally, we've returned to sanity in 1972. But the guilt and shame and the stigma still live on to today because of this long history that we've gone through with masturbation. 
beyond the the social, beyond the religious, it, it went into the the scientific that uh, masturbation will make you mentally ill. Interesting. Yeah. So today. Um, I've got some great information on how we kind of see it today. So between psychology and science and doctors, um, here's a few things that that we commonly think today and that we commonly know today as well. So it can lead to better sex. We already talked about this in the beginning, and it does talk a lot about masturbating with partners. Um, Also, masturbating with yourself does help to connect you and helps you to learn your own body and what pleases you and does help to build up your own sexuality. Also, better reproductive health. So, and and you kind of mentioned this. So, in men, masturbation flushes out old sperm with low, like uh, sperm that's not very potent and reduces the risk of prostate cancer. Um, If practiced before sexual intercourse, it can delay orgasm in men who suffer from premature ejaculation. So, if you know that you're going to have sex with your partner later on, you know, go ahead and masturbate and then that'll help you to go longer with your partner later on and to not ejaculate so quickly. So in women, it increases the chances of conception by alternating the conditions in the vagina, the cervix, and the uterus. And it can also protect against cervical infections by increasing the acidity of the cervical mucus, and it flushes out pathogens which is amazing. So, and both men and women, it strengthens the muscles in the pelvic floor and the genital area and contributes to expanding, extending the years of sexual activity. Did you hear that? Masturbation can extend your years of sexual activity by keeping all your parts healthier and more toned. We'll begin the episode with that, and we'll end the episode done. (laughs) (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) There's more. There's more. It's even, it gets better. So masturbation can help sleep by reducing stress and releasing these hormones, which we discussed in our last episode, such as dopamine, endorphins, oxytocin, and prolactin. And it can bring on a sense of stillness, serenity, and sleepiness. Um, I love this description. It was, can be, it was described by um, a French person as the little death I love that. The little death. Yeah, the little death, that orgasm. So we talked about how uh, orgasms are the release, right? So it's the build up, the build up, the build up, and then your orgasm is actually the release. And so for masturbation, they called it the little death. It's the little release. Huh. I, I do like the, the French cookie, la petite écoulier, the little schoolboy. I wonder if that's la petite mort. It is. That's exactly what it is. It says it right here in my notes. I could, I could, I could, I could speak French to you all day long, <laughs> oh. Susie. <laughs> uh, I will nibble on your neck. <laughs> you, you nibble on my mm. toes. I like that more. <laughs> <laughs> I will nibble on your toes Ooh. and I will put my tongue in between them. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I'm getting excited. You have to stop. Uh, I can't handle much uh, of that talk. Do, do you like brie on your toes? Because <laughs> I want to nibble them off. <laughs> I want to lick it off of your toes. <laughs> oh, you're making me blush. <laughs> See, I don't do accents well. I like that one better than your southern accent, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for yeah. Uh, hating my southern accent with such passion. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> okay, so just a few more little things. 
They say mm-hmm. masturbation is actually a form of light exercise. So as compared to regular exercise, uh, it's more effective and efficient at reducing tension and releasing these hormones. So you're still, it's not a ton of exercise, but it's still getting your heart rate up, which is always a good thing if it's, you know. So... And then just better mood and psychological benefits. So reducing stress, releasing these hormones, lifting the mood. And it, I like this. It's a, it enables younger people in particular to explore their sexual identity and regulate their sexual impulses, leading to a happier, healthier sexuality, as well as greater self-awareness, self-control, and self-esteem, which I do feel like that's true. It is, and I definitely appreciate the the research you're doing in the topic. I think it's fascinating to listen to, and like everything in life, there's a balance for it all. Uh, There's there's certainly a lot of... uh, there, there's so many views, so many opinions. Yeah, we want to hear your we want to hear your feedback. So let us know. I do think there can be a negative with masturbation, and I'm gonna start off with I think what that negative is for me is you be, if you if you do it too much solo masturbation, if you do it too much, if there is such a thing, and I think there is, if you do it too much, you become disinclined for seeking pleasure out in other people. I've definitely found if I go through a long stretch where I don't have a a partner and I'm masturbating regularly, when I do have a partner, it's just like, ah, I could please myself better on my own, so I'm good. Uh, There's that part of it. And also another part, because I'm a visual learner, I've mentioned that phrase before, because I... When I masturbate, I often look at something, and and typically it's I'm just looking at my phone at whatever porn site, and typically I get my porn from uh, Twitter accounts. If you do, if you're exposed to porn too regularly, you like anything, you're exposed to unreality, and then you have expectations of what your sexual partner should be doing, what uh, the outcome of sexual experiences are, and especially for young people, if you're exposed to uh, highly sexualized content and maybe don't know the context, that could be problematic. And if you're exposed to it regularly, I think it just sends you into you know, a thwarted sense of reality in general. Absolutely. So I just put porn on the list for an upcoming uh, um, topic, and I think we should discuss that. So porn is a whole different thing completely, and I agree with everything you just said. I do think moderation is the key to all things in life. So there is a place where too much porn is not good. If you could be having sex with your partner and you're just having sex instead, or if you're doing masturbation instead, I think that's something to be looked at. I think for women, I think those vibrators, I know those vibrators can lead to your clitoris not being as easily stimulated. You can almost create a numbness where you're not nearly as sensitive down there, especially from those really intense vibrators like the wand it can actually create numbness and that no one wants that that that's a shame so there are downfalls to it if it's affecting your relationships that's definitely something to talk to someone about for me personally masturbation 
is not a means to an end. It makes me want to have a partner way more. I'm I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of masturbation. I'm not. I kind of do it to keep my sexual health up. That's the main reason that I masturbate is for that reason to just keep my sexual health up. I do feel like it's it's good for me and helps to keep me healthy and toned. But I'm not a big fan of it. I would much rather have a partner any day. So if anything, after a certain amount of time, I just get fed up with it. I'm like, oh my god. I'm so sick and tired of masturbating. I need to go find a partner to have more fun with. So it depends on the person knowing yourself. And you're right. It would younger people. It is a little different. Teenagers, people that are just learning their sexuality, who are becoming sexual. I think there's moderation with that as well. And, and porn is a topic we'll talk about in the future. What I'm hearing is pretty consistent themes in this podcast. Communication, exploration, moderation, mm-hmm. and communication. <laughs> and finding your pleasure through a variety of ways, regardless of cultural norms or standards. If if you're doing things that are safe, relatively safe, and not harming others, you know, go do it. But the most important thing is explore, communicate, and, and, and do things with a certain amount of integrity. And yes, you can masturbate with integrity (laughs) (laughs) i like that you know i enjoy masturbating i i I masturbate once uh a day at least sometimes a couple of times but what i going back to my third element of why i think it's a little problematic especially you know just using myself as an example i masturbate with boredom Mm. like i've got a shit ton to do and if i'm masturbating a couple of times a day that tells me that I'm trying that I'm I'm putting things off. Right. And I'm 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 a good procrastinator and I'm a good uh well it's not good. I, I, I tend to get bored pretty easily when I have important things to do. And so if I'm masturbating more than once a day, it's usually probably a bad sign that I'm I'm um neglecting more important things. Well, it's and good. that's something that I have to deal with. It's good that you know that about yourself, though. So I think self-consciousness is the best thing that we can all have for ourselves. And if we can be aware of our patterns, that's really powerful. But, oh, my goodness, a little bit of warm coconut oil. <laughs> it's your friend. It's my friend. <laughs> and uh, it's my friend, especially in the early afternoon. It seems like that's when I'm most... Uh, inclined to warm that bottle of coconut oil and it sounds like you may just need a break from your work at that time of day and that's your way of taking a break releasing some tension maybe if you're stressed out if you're like oh i don't really feel like working on this i think i'll go masturbate unfortunately it, that that idea of it, it it's good for rest really kicks in too because when I do masturbate in the afternoon then I inevitably take a nap mm. and then all of a sudden that thirty minutes of masturbation becomes an hour and a half because then I fell asleep for an hour and then it's a vicious cycle of me hating myself for not being productive and then I need to go masturbate again. <laughs> Sounds like you have a few things to work out. <laughs> yes, where's Freud when I need him? Right, <laughs> exactly. Well, that's all I have on masturbation, Sam. Great work. I appreciate uh, your your effort in research. It's fun. Fantastic to to uh, dive through the the archives to get a, a variety of opinions and documentary and art and impressions about sexuality. We've quoted the Bible. We've co- quoted the Kama Sutra. We've gone to the island of Lesbos for a quick <laughs> reference from uh, Sappho. 
And oh, I had a, a, this great idea. Let's create a vibrator. We'll call it Cleopatra's Gourd. <laughs> it won't have live bees because we now have electricity. We could, uh, we don't need to do that. But oh my goodness, Cleopatra was a bomb, yeah. the bomb. She's a badass. If that was true, yeah. If that was true, like how badass was that? Oh my goodness. Anyway, Susie, in the next uh, couple of episodes, what should we talk about? Uh, foreplay. I wouldn't mind talking about foreplay. Stigma of sex, which we touched a, a bit on here with masturbation. All this, the stigma around masturbation. One-time hookups, like one-night stands, I wouldn't mind having a conversation around that. And then the blueprint, which we've referenced a few times, but I'd like to go ahead and do that because I think it's relevant to what we talk about a lot. And we're still in Pride Month. This is June. Our podcast has not at all talked about homosexuality. And I know that you have colleagues who are gay. And I love the word gay because that just says, it it says so much about a personality. I'd much rather have a gay person than a hateful person. Absolutely. Me too. In my life. (laughs) All right, Susie. If you have a topic that you'd like to talk about, hear about, be a part of, reach out to us in our social media, Twitter and Instagram at WhatBirdPodcast. Reach out via mail, WhatBirdPodcast podcast at gmail.com until next time thanks everyone bye sam <laughs>